is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned into Biofuels Daily. It is Monday, November 25th. Just like a charged atom, I hope you have your eye on today's top stories. Our first story today comes out of Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C., the Renewable Fuels Association reports that weekly ethanol production scaled 3,000 barrels per day higher, or 0.3% to 1.033 million barrels per day, equivalent to 43.39 million gallons daily and 0.9% below the same week a year ago, according to EIA data. The four-week average ethanol production rate lifted 0.9% to 1.020 million barrels per day equivalent, to an annualized rate of 15.64 billion gallons. Conversely, ethanol stocks shrank 2.2% to 20.5 million barrels, the lowest volume since the start of 2017. Inventories were 10% lower than the same week last year and 6.3% below the level two years ago. Stocks declined across the East Coast, Midwest, and Gulf Coast. The East Coast is referred to as Pad 1, the Midwest is referred to as Pad 2, and the Gulf Coast is referred to as Pad 3, but it increased in other regions. Imports of ethanol arriving into the West Coast were 4,000 barrels per day, or 1.18 million gallons for the week. This is the first time this month that imports were logged. Weekly export data for ethanol is not reported simultaneously. The latest export data is as of September 2019. The volume of gasoline supplied to the U.S. market shifted 1.4% lower to 9.192 million barrels per day, or 3.0. 386.1 million gallons per day. Refiner blender net inputs of ethanol decreased 1.2% to 929,000 barrels per day equivalent to 14.24 billion gallon, gallons annualized. Expressed as a percentage of daily gasoline demand, daily ethanol production increased to 11.24%. Our second story today also comes out of Washington, D.C., U.S. Senator Tom Udall, Democrat from New Mexico, and U.S. Representative Peter Welch, Democrat from Vermont, introduced companion bills in the U.S. Senate and U.S. House of Representatives to reform the Renewable Fuel Standard, RFS, by mitigating harmful environmental impacts of the corn ethanol mandate and advancing the next generation of biofuels that actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The Greener Fuels Act, Growing Renewable Energy Through Existing and New Environmentally Responsible Fuels Act, would phase out the corn ethanol mandate and immediately reduce the amount of ethanol in fuel by as much as 1 billion gallons by capping the amount of ethanol that can be blended into conventional gasoline at 9.7%. After 13 years of increasing mandates, corn ethanol is now a mature technology, but one that has contributed to habitat loss and greater water pollution from pesticides and fertilizers. The bill would help farmers return cornfields to pasture and wildlife habitat through a 10 cents per rind fee to fund a new private land protection and restoration fund in the U.S. Treasury. The fund will help pay for Department of Interior programs that pay for easements on private lands to keep them out of agricultural production, keep the lands in conservation, uses like grass, forest, stream buffers, or pollinator habitat, and help farmers transition land currently in crop production into other uses. Greener Fuels Act also extends the cellulosic and advanced next-generation biofuel mandate until 2 billion gallons of annual production is achieved by 2037, whichever is 
soonest and improve the way the mandate is implemented to produce liquid transportation fuels that dramatically reduce greenhouse gas emissions. For years, the renewable fuel standard has been unable to deliver on the promise of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and instead has contributed to wildlife habitat destruction and more water pollution from fertilizers and pesticides, Udall said. Our bill makes the needed reforms to transition biofuels away from food-based crops to greener alternatives that truly are cleaner and more sustainable climate-friendly fuels. This is the type of legislation we need to help combat the urgent threat of climate change, protect shrinking wildlife habitat, and protect our planet for future generations. Despite its early promise, the renewable fuel standard has been a well-intentioned flop that is harming our environment by contributing to the conversion by contributing to the conversion of millions of acres of grasslands, wetlands, and forests into crop production while failing to bring about the widespread use of truly sustainable fuels like cellulosic, said Welch. Our common sense legislation reforms the mandate to dramatically reduce its environmental impact and to support the continued growth of advanced biofuels. The original promise of the renewable fuel standard was that it would deliver a new wave of cleaner, more climate-friendly transportation fuels said Henry Waxman, former chair of the House Energy Commerce Committee. More than a decade later, this promise rings hollow. Truly advanced next-generation biofuels have failed to come online in significant amounts. The first-generation biofuels we are using, corn ethanol and soy biodiesel, have incentivized short-sighted farming practices and encouraged land conversion and forest destruction around the globe. Perhaps most disturbing, a decade of research shows that these biofuels are not meeting their modest climate emission reduction targets and, in fact, may be exacerbating the climate crisis. It's time our policies reflected our new understanding. The Greener Fuels Act would help fix the broken status quo. I applaud Representative Welch and Senator Udall for this important step in addressing our country's role in the climate crisis. The Greener Fuels Act will protect at-risk wildlife, drinking water, and public health while supporting farmers as our nation transitions towards cleaner, more sustainable liquid fuels and electric vehicles to achieve net zero carbon emissions before 2050, said Colin O'Mara, president and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation. We thank Representative Welch and Senator Udall for their leadership to move America toward cleaner, more sustainable fuels. We urge the full House and Senate to take up and pass these bills. We also strongly encourage the EPA to use this legislation as a roadmap to reform U.S. biofuel policy to support cleaner, more sustainable fuels and to reverse the vast environmental damage the corn ethanol mandate has caused. The Sierra Club applauds Senator Udall, Congressman Welch, and all the members of Congress who are putting common sense first rather than continuing to permit a dirty and destructive policy to remain intact, said Michael Brune, Executive Director of the Sierra Club. Instead of continuing to play political games with our environment and public health, these legislators are moving policies that will help undo the damage caused by the ethanol mandate. We urge Congress to pass this legislation immediately rather than continuing to push false theories about ethanol. A copy of the legislation for the House bill can be found online. Our third story today also comes out of Washington, D.C. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score today celebrated a major regulatory victory that will open the nation's fourth largest fuel market to E15, fuel mixed with 15% ethanol. Under a rule finalized today by the New York Department of Agriculture and Markets, New York will become the newest state to allow the sale of E15, 
which is approved by the Environmental Protection Agency for all vehicles model year 2001 and newer. It's exciting to see New York regulators finalize this vital update and we thank Governor Cuomo and the Department of Agriculture and Markets for giving Empire State motorists access to cleaner, more affordable choices at the pump, said SCORE. Over the last five years, Growth Energy has worked continuously with state policymakers to bring higher octane, lower emissions biofuel blends to the nation's fourth largest fuel market. New York has been a pioneer in the climate movement and their adoption of E15 is consistent with their commitment to a low carbon transportation future. If New York transitioned from E10 to E15, it would lower carbon emissions by 748,000 tons per year, which is the equivalent of removing approximately 129,400 vehicles from New York's roads. We look forward to working with retailers across the state to quickly get E15 into the market and establish New York's continued leadership in low carbon fuels. Over the last five years, Growth Energy has worked hand in hand with community leaders, retailers, farm advocates, and biofuel supporters across New York to push for a long overdue update to the state's fuel regulations. Among those champions is Growth Energy member Western New York Energy, led by President and CEO Timothy Winters. This is important update will allow more New York motorists to make their own decisions about purchasing renewable fuel blends, saving money, and protecting the air, said Winters. It will also support economic development and farmers in communities like Orleans County, where Western New York Energy is proud to produce more than 60 million gallons of ethanol annually. Last month, American drivers topped 11 billion miles on E15, and adoption rates continued to rise following recent regulatory changes by the EPA to permit year-round sales of the fuel. To accelerate that progress, Growth Energy continues to tear down commercial barriers through the Prime the Pump PTP program, which has helped expand E15 to nearly 2,000 locations across the country. Growth Energy also recently launched a new partnership with GasBuddy to help consumers find the nearest E15 location and hosted a retailer workshop last month in Syracuse, New York for area retailers interested in offering higher octane fuel options like E15 and E85. Our final story of the day is a new report released by the International Renewable Energy Agency. According to this report, advanced liquid biofuels are a key part of low carbon transport development to meet emission reduction targets and international climate commitments. Liquid biofuels requiring minimal changes to fuel distribution infrastructure or the transport fleet can be deployed rapidly to cut greenhouse gas emissions. This study from the International Renewable Energy Agency, also known as IRENA, analysis current barriers to investment in advanced biofuels. Based primarily on a survey of industry executives and decision makers, the study aims to capture the perspective of project developers aiming to nurture the market and scale up actual usage in competition with fossil fuels. Among the findings are, regulatory uncertainty stands out as the most important impediment to investment in advanced biofuels, transport sector decarbonization calls for accepting several fuel alternatives simultaneously rather than resorting to a single all-encompassing solution, Low subsidy levels, high financing costs, and limited availability of finance are seen by many executives as barriers in the current market. Unless regulators devise specific promotional measures, the cellulosic ethanol segment will face uneven cost competition from first-generation ethanol producers and a declining market. Industry executives question the accuracy and reliability of common methods 
for estimating greenhouse gas emissions, land use, and indirect land use change. The full report can be read at irena.org. So let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening and remember to always go green. This is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned into Biofuels Daily. It is Tuesday, November 26th. Just like an argon atom bonded with an oxygen atom and a potassium atom, today's top stories are okay. Our first story today comes out of New York. The White House has asked Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley's office for input on the administration's latest proposal to boost the ethanol market in 2020 according to two sources familiar with the matter on Friday, after a flurry of conversations between President Donald Trump and corn state advocates critical of the plan. The White House request shows the Trump administration may be having second thoughts about the proposal, which the president had hoped would shore up his support in the Farm Belt, a crucial political constituency in his re-election bid, the sources said. The Environmental Protection Agency is already due to miss a November 30th deadline to finalize the proposal, which was drafted after prolonged negotiations. EPA plans to finalize this rulemaking this winter upon thorough review of public comments, the agency's spokesman Michael Abood told Routers. At issue is a plan outlined by Trump's EPA in October that was intended to ensure the administration's expanded use of waivers, freeing refineries from their obligation to blend ethanol into gasoline does not hurt farmers by cutting into U.S. demand for the corn-based fuel. Under the U.S. Renewable Fuel Standard, refineries are required to blend 15 billion gallons of ethanol annually, but the EPA can't exempt small facilities that demonstrate compliance would hurt them financially. The EPA has roughly quadrupled the number of waivers it has issued since Trump took office. The EPA's plan would address that by increasing the amount some refineries must blend next year, using a three-year average of the volumes that the Department of Energy has advised the EPA to waive under the exemption program. But the corn lobby has lambasted the proposal since it was announced, saying it should instead account for actual amounts waived by the agency since the EPA in recent years has been waiving higher volumes than the DOE advised. According to the sources, White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow asked Republican Grassley's office this week for an explanation of how the EPA's use of the so-called small refinery exemptions negatively impacts the ethanol industry and how the administration's proposal fails to provide relief. Grassley's office responded to the questions on Thursday, the sources said. The sources did not share the details of the response. The White House declined to comment. It remains unclear whether the administration has any intention of adjusting the plan at this late stage. Kudlow's request comes after Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, another Republican and biofuels advocate, spoke multiple times with Trump on the issue 
in the last month. Terry Branstad, U.S. Ambassador to China and former governor of Iowa, has also met with Kudlow and Trump this week, according to two additional sources familiar with the matter. In those discussions, Branstad expressed to Kudlow that the current EPA proposal was not what was agreed to in negotiations between the administration and biofuel supporters before it was announced, one of the sources said. On Thursday, Grassley tweeted, I got a briefing on China from Ambassador Branstad as well as an update on his continued advocacy with the White House on biodiesel and ethanol. As a senator from Iowa fighting this battle, I thank him for this help. Today's second story comes out of Sacramento, California. Today, the Biotechnology Innovation Organization and the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition announced a new joint initiative to drive adoption of low carbon fuel policies in states. Both groups will work together to advance policies that will support green energy breakthroughs to decarbonize transportation, a sector that leads all others in greenhouse gas emissions. The initiative will combine the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, also known as the BIO's, ongoing work in states and vast membership of companies developing sustainable fuels for both road and air transport with LCFC's expertise in establishing state-level market-based low-carbon fuel policies. The LCFC, or the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition, is a technology-neutral trade association dedicated to the support and expansion of market-based low-carbon fuel policies. State low-carbon fuel policies are a proven driver in decarbonizing transportation, said Stephanie Batchelor, vice president of BIO's Industrial and Environmental Section. If done right, these policies will incentivize biofuel producers to develop new low-carbon fuels using sustainable sources like agricultural residues, industrial waste, and even algae. The new joint initiative will bring together the membership for both organizations, which will strengthen the reach and resources for advocacy efforts. Currently, nine states have have active bills or are considering legislation to establish standards supporting low-carbon fuels, including Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nebraska, New York, South Dakota, and Washington. The two groups will also collaborate to explain and demonstrate the value and importance of low-carbon fuel policies, especially at events such as the Global Climate Action Summit. Since implementing its low-carbon fuel standard in 2011, California has prevented over 50 million tons of carbon pollution from being emitted on its roadways, said Graham Noyes, co-founder and executive director of the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition. We know that states across the country, from Washington to Minnesota to New York, are looking at policies to decarbonize and diversify their state's transportation sectors, and this new joint initiative will work within those states to help lawmakers realize the potential of low-carbon fuel policies. The development and adoption of sustainable fuels has benefits beyond lowering greenhouse gas emissions. According to the National Resources Defense Council, California's low-carbon fuel standard, together with statewide carbon pollution limits, has helped save the state $1.6 billion in health-related impacts from air pollution to date. The state's program has also increased the clean fuels market by $2.8 billion, with the majority of the economic gain taking place in rural communities where feedstocks are grown and biofuel is produced. For more information about the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, visit BIO.org. For more information on the Low Carbons Fuel Coalition, visit LCFCCoalition.com. Our third and final story of the day is a press release from the company LonzaTech. Carbon recycling pioneer LonzaTech continues to make strides in scaling up its alcohol to jet 
platform. Commercialization of the alcohol to jet process has been years in the making, starting with the partnership between Lonza Tech and the U.S. Energy Department's Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, or the, PNN, or the PNNL. PNNL developed a unique catalytic process to upgrade ethanol to alcohol to jet synthetic paraffinic kerosene, also known as ATJSPK, which Lonza Tech took from the laboratory to pilot scale. After scale-up, ethanol being added as an approved feedstock in ASTM D7566 Annex A5, the standard specification for aviation turbine fuel containing synthesized hydrocarbons for alcohol to jet synthetic paraffinic kerosene and the first commercial flight with Virgin Atlantic, sustainable aviation fuel made from captured pollution is ready for full-scale demonstration and commercialization. Michael Barub, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Transportation at the United States Department of Energy, announced the DOE is in the negotiation stage with Londatech for a $14 million investment in a demonstration-scale integrated biorefinery at Londatech's Freedom Pine site in Soperton, Georgia. The announcement was made at the Advanced Bioeconomy Leadership Conference, also known as ABLC Next 2019 in San Francisco, California. Lonzatech still has some remaining work to do under the initial award, and we have some negotiations to complete, but we're very excited about the prospects of this project and what it could mean for demonstrating the viability of drop-in biofuels in the United States, said Barubi. This investment follows the FY 2015 project development for pilot and demonstration scale manufacturing of biofuels, bioproducts, and biopower FOA, under which Lonzatech's proposal was selected for a feasibility study to plan and design an integrated biorefinery that will produce low-carbon jet and diesel fuels. Lonzatech's process can use any source of sustainable ethanol for jet fuel production, including ethanol made from recycled pollution. Lonzatech's first commercial plant in China has produced over 10 million gallons of ethanol from recycled steel mill emissions to date. The flexibility of the technology to utilize a variety of local waste feedstocks attracted the attention of all Nippon Airways, also known as ANA, Japan's largest five-star airline, for seven consecutive years, resulting in an offtake agreement with Lonzatech signed earlier this year, allowing ANA to purchase sustainable aviation fuel from Lonzatech's process. Following on from this agreement, ANA strategic investor in Lonzatech, Mitsui & Co., and JXTG Energy have been selected by the New Energy and Industrial Technology Development Organization, NEDL, a prominent Japanese public research and development body, to conduct a feasibility study on scaling the Lonzatech alcohol to jet fuel platform in Japan. Together, the partners will establish a sustainable domestic supply chain for alcohol to jet fuel, key to achieving full commercial deployment in Japan. ANA and Mitsui and Co. kicked off the project by conducting a Boeing 777-300ER ferry flight using sustainable aviation fuel made from recycled carbon on October 30, 2019. As the fuel producer, Lonzatech worked closely with all partners advising how best to transport and blend the fuel for loading on the aircraft. Sustainable aviation fuel reduces carbon emissions by, 80, by up to 80% and is a key element of the industry's climate action strategy said Sheila Reams, Vice President of Strategic at Boeing Commercial Airplanes. ANA's flight demonstrated once again that sustainable fuel blends perfectly with con 
fuel blends perfectly with conventional fuel without the need for any changes to the airplane engines or airport fueling infrastructure. We are very excited to continue our efforts to establish higher standards for eco-friendly travel alongside NEDO, Mitsui & Co, and JXTG, said Yutaka Ido, Executive Vice President of ANA. This project closely aligns with our vision of a world where companies proactively respond to calls for environmentally friendly leadership, and this is just one of many steps ANA is taking to meet the ambitious sustainable development goals that we have set. Commercial volumes of sustainable aviation fuel are desperately needed, said Lanza Tech CEO Dr. Jennifer Holmgren. The aviation sector is working hard to decarbonize, and there are more options on the table than ever before. We are excited to play our part by accelerating scaling of alcohol to jet fuel. Lanza Tech's carbon capture platform for sustainable aviation fuel is now posed for scale up in the United States and Japan. In the UK, Lanza Tech is a shortlisted applicant for a grant from the UK Department for Transport through the Fuels for Flight and Freight competition. This grant would support deployment of the technology in the UK, and Lanza Tech has been working closely with the DFT as they assess the technology and its sustainability profile. With three potential scale-up projects around the world, Lanza Tech is supporting global production of sustainable aviation fuel with associated regional job creation, enabling global access to new sustainable fuels for the aviation sector as it seeks to decarbonize. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green. This is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned into Biofuels Daily. It is Tuesday, November 26th. Just like an argon atom bonded with an oxygen atom and a potassium atom, today's top stories are okay. Our first story today comes out of New York. The White House has asked Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley's office for input on the administration's latest proposal to boost the ethanol market in 2020 according to two sources familiar with the matter on Friday, after a flurry of conversations between President Donald Trump and corn state advocates critical of the plan. The White House request shows the Trump administration may be having second thoughts about the proposal, which the president had hoped would shore up his support in the Farm Belt, a crucial political constituency in his re-election bid, the sources said. The Environmental Protection Agency is already due to miss a November 30th deadline to finalize the proposal, which was drafted after prolonged negotiations. EPA plans to finalize this rulemaking this winter upon thorough review of public comments, the agency's spokesman Michael Abood told Routers. At issue is a plan outlined by Trump's EPA in October 
that was intended to ensure the administration's expanded use of waivers, freeing refineries from their obligation to blend ethanol into gasoline, does not hurt farmers by cutting into U.S. demand for the corn-based fuel. Under the U.S. Renewable Fuel Standard, refineries are required to blend 15 billion gallons of ethanol annually, but the EPA can't exempt small facilities that demonstrate compliance would hurt them financially. The EPA has roughly quadrupled the number of waivers it has issued since Trump took office. The EPA's plan would address that by increasing the amount some refineries must blend next year, using a three-year average of the volumes that the Department of Energy has advised the EPA to waive under the exemption program. But the corn lobby has lambasted the proposal since it was announced, saying it should instead account for actual amounts waived by the agency since the EPA in recent years has been waiving higher volumes than the DOE advised. According to the sources, White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow asked Republican Grassley's office this week for an explanation of how the EPA's use of the so-called small refinery exemptions negatively impacts the ethanol industry and how the administration's proposal fails to provide relief. Grassley's office responded to the questions on Thursday, the sources said. The sources did not share the details of the response. The White House declined to comment. It remains unclear whether the administration has any intention of adjusting the plan at this late stage. Kudlow's request comes after Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, another Republican and biofuels advocate, spoke multiple times with Trump on the issue in the last month. Terry Branstad, U.S. Ambassador to China and former governor of Iowa, has also met with Kudlow and Trump this week, according to two additional sources familiar with the matter. In those discussions, Branstad expressed to Kudlow that the current EPA proposal was not what was agreed to in negotiations between the administration and biofuel supporters before it was announced, one of the sources said. On Thursday, Grassley tweeted, I got a briefing on China from Ambassador Branstad as well as an update on his continued advocacy with the White House on biodiesel and ethanol. As a senator from Iowa fighting this battle, I thank him for this help. Today's second story comes out of Sacramento, California. Today, the Biotechnology Innovation Organization and the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition announced a new joint initiative to drive adoption of low carbon fuel policies in states. Both groups will work together to advance policies that will support green energy breakthroughs to decarbonize transportation, a sector that leads all others in greenhouse gas emissions. The initiative will combine the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, also known as the BIO's, ongoing work in states and vast membership of companies developing sustainable fuels for both road and air transport with LCFC's expertise in establishing state-level market-based low-carbon fuel policies. The LCFC, or the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition, is a technology-neutral trade association dedicated to the support and expansion of market-based low-carbon fuel policies. State low-carbon fuel policies are a proven driver in decarbonizing transportation, said Stephanie Batchelor, vice president of BIO's Industrial and Environmental Section. If done right, these policies will incentivize biofuel producers to develop new low-carbon fuels using sustainable sources like agricultural residues, industrial waste, and even algae. The new joint initiative will bring together the membership for both organizations, which will strengthen the reach and resources for advocacy efforts. Currently, nine states have, it, have active bills or are considering legislation to establish standards supporting low-carbon fuels, including 
Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nebraska, New York, South Dakota, and Washington. The two groups will also collaborate to explain and demonstrate the value and importance of low-carbon fuel policies, especially at events such as the Global Climate Action Summit. Since implementing its low-carbon fuel standard in 2011, California has prevented over 50 million tons of carbon pollution from being emitted on its roadways, said Graham Noyes, co-founder and executive director of the Low Carbon Fuels Coalition. We know that states across the country, from Washington to Minnesota to New York, are looking at policies to decarbonize and diversify their state's transportation sectors, and this new joint initiative will work within those states to help lawmakers realize the potential of low-carbon fuel policies. The development and adoption of sustainable fuels has benefits beyond lowering greenhouse gas emissions. According to the National Resources Defense Council, California's low-carbon fuel standard, together with statewide carbon pollution limits, has helped save the state $1.6 billion in health-related impacts from air pollution to date. The state's program has also increased the clean fuels market by $2.8 billion, with the majority of the economic gain taking place in rural communities where feedstocks are grown and biofuel is produced. For more information about the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, visit BIO.org. For more information on the Low Carbons Fuel Coalition, visit LCFCCoalition.com. Our third and final story of the day is a press release from the company LonzaTech. Carbon recycling pioneer LonzaTech continues to make strides in scaling up its alcohol to jet platform. Commercialization of the alcohol to jet process has been years, years in the making, starting with the partnership between LonzaTech and the U.S. Energy Department's Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. Or the, PNN, or the PNNL. PNNL developed a unique catalytic process to upgrade ethanol to alcohol to jet synthetic paraffinic kerosene, also known as ATJSPK, which Lonsatec took from the laboratory to pilot scale. After scale up, ethanol being added as an approved feedstock in ASTM D7566 Annex A5, the standard specification for aviation turbine fuel containing synthesized hydrocarbons for alcohol to jet synthetic paraffinic kerosene and the first commercial flight with Virgin Atlantic sustainable aviation fuel made from captured pollution is ready for full-scale demonstration and commercialization. Michael Barub, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Transportation at the United States Department of Energy, announced the DOE is in the negotiation stage with Lonzatech for a $14 million investment in a demonstration-scale integrated biorefinery at Lonzatech's Freedom Pine site in Soperton, Georgia. The announcement was made at the Advanced Bioeconomy Leadership Conference, also known as ABLC Next 2019 in San Francisco, California. Lonzatech still has some remaining work to do under the initial award, and we have some negotiations to complete, but we're very excited about the prospects of this project and what it could mean for demonstrating the viability of drop-in biofuels in the United States, said Barubi. This investment follows the FY 2015 project development for pilot and demonstration scale manufacturing of biofuels, bioproducts, and biopower FOA, under which Lonzatech's proposal was selected for a feasibility study to plan and design an integrated biorefinery that will produce low-carbon jet and diesel fuels. Lonzatech's process can use any source of sustainable ethanol for jet fuel production, including ethanol made from recycled pollution. Lonzatech's first commercial plant in China has produced over 10 million gallons of ethanol 
from recycled steel mill emissions to date. The flexibility of the technology to utilize a variety of local waste feedstocks attracted the attention of all Nippon Airways, also known as ANA, Japan's largest five-star airline, for seven consecutive years, resulting in an offtake agreement with Lanzatech signed earlier this year, allowing ANA to purchase sustainable aviation fuel from Lanzatech's process. Following on from this agreement, ANA strategic investor in Lanzatech, Mitsui & Co., and JXTG Energy have been selected by the New Energy and Industrial Technology Development Organization, NEDL, a prominent Japanese public research and development body, to conduct a feasibility study on scaling the Lanzatech alcohol-to-jet fuel platform in Japan. Together, the partners will establish a sustainable domestic supply chain for alcohol-to-jet fuel, key to achieving full commercial deployment in Japan. ANA and Mitsui & Co. kicked off the project by conducting a Boeing 777-300ER ferry flight using sustainable aviation fuel made from recycled carbon on October 30, 2019. As the fuel producer, Lanzatech worked closely with all partners advising how best to transport and blend the fuel for loading on the aircraft. Sustainable aviation fuel reduces carbon emissions by, 80, by up to 80% and is a key element of the industry's climate action strategy said Sheila Reams, Vice President of Strategic at Boeing Commercial Airplanes. ANA's flight demonstrated once again that sustainable fuel blends perfectly with con fuel blends perfectly with conventional fuel without the need for any changes to the airplane engines or airport fueling infrastructure. We are very excited to continue our efforts to establish higher standards for eco-friendly travel alongside NEDO, Mitsui & Co, and JXTG, said Yutaka Ido executive vice president of ANA. This project closely aligns with our vision of a world where companies proactively respond to calls for environmentally friendly leadership, and this is just one of many steps ANA is taking to meet the ambitious sustainable development goals that we have set. Commercial volumes of sustainable aviation fuel are desperately needed, said Lanzatech CEO Dr. Jennifer Holmgren. The aviation sector is working hard to decarbonize, and there are more options on the table than ever before. We are excited to play our part by accelerating scaling of alcohol-to-jet fuel. Lanzatech's carbon capture platform for sustainable aviation fuel is now posed for scale-up in the United States and Japan. In the UK, Lanzatech is a shortlisted applicant for a grant from the UK Department for Transport through the Fuels for Flight and Freight competition. This grant would support deployment of the technology in the UK, and Lanzatech has been working closely with the DFT as they assess the technology and sustainability profile. With three potential scale-up projects around the world, Lanzatech is supporting global production of sustainable aviation fuel with associated regional job creation, enabling global access to new sustainable fuels for the aviation sector as it seeks to decarbonize. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green.
Thank you.